Welcome to the Inner Power Podcast, the place to help you unleash your inner power and develop unshakable confidence to finally create kick-ass results in your career, relationship, and life that embrace who you are. I'm your host and personal confidence coach, Olga, and I'm here to share practical and actionable techniques, real-life wisdom for myself and other powerhouse women with the backup of human behavior science. This is the place where you will learn it all to finally step up your game, feel great about yourself, and live life with a new sense of unfuckwithability. If you're ready to step into your fabulous and most powerful self, let's do this. Hello and welcome to a new episode on the Inner Part Podcast. I'm your host and soul and confidence coach Olga and I'm so happy to have you back for a new week, a new topic that I think is going to help you so much in your life if you're going to let it in and it's going to help you really get out of stuckness, stuckness with suffering, stuckness in stress. Because what I want to talk to you about is why our false sense, and I say it like deliberately and on purpose, a false sense of identity is really one of the main reasons that is keeping us stuck in patterns and and loops of, yeah, suffering. (laughs) I'm thinking of another word, but it's just plain, plain suffering. Where you're doubting yourself, where you're not living the life that you want, where um, you're doubting your abilities, where, you know, you're not seeing any results that you want, where you just feel burnt out and you're wondering, you know, you're doing your best. Why does this keep happening to me? Regardless of whether you change your job, whether you change locations, where you live, where, whether you change, you know, the people around you, <clears throat> somehow things keep happening the same way. And the reason for that is specifically that, that we're stuck in identities, identities that do not match who we actually really are. So where do we start here? (laughs) So for those of you who have, you know, been loyal listeners or have been listening to some of my episodes, you know that it all starts with the mind. It all starts with the mind. Um, It all starts there and all ends there. But our mind is this handbook of ours that is really steering and controlling all of our actions, all of our emotions, all of our thoughts based on this manual that it has kind of written down over the span of our lifetime. And this manual that our mind is, you know, um, basing, is that even a word? I don't know. But is, um, you know, making all its decisions um, on is just an accumulation of information that has you know, entered our mind without filters, with some filters, um, like I said, over the course of our, of our lives, especially like in, in the early years, like until we were seven years old, um, that's where the mind is crafting this manual specifically. Um, and how it develops the identity that we're living in is basically, um, mainly shaped by the family constellation and the family dynamics that we're living. Um, Depending on, you know, 
the amount of people that are there, for example, in your family, um, the roles and identities that your parents have already taken on, maybe your older siblings have already taken on. Um, that's where our mind decides for basically the strategy that it will, in air quotes, help us um, take on to get a, a, a significant amount of attention and love, connection and, well, significance overall for ourselves. Because, um, and, and you will maybe re- uh, notice with the, when I go through the, the four main um, identity types, <clears throat> there's plenty out there, uh, but I think those four really capture um, the, yeah, the core of, of, of our struggles quite well. So you will probably be able to identify with, if you have siblings or with your parents, like what kind of um, identity your parents are primarily living in and why that has um, made your mind take on a different strategy. So before I go ahead and um, describe them to you, I want you to realize that it's not that we just take on one of them and we leave all the others behind. We're a part, like we have a little bit of all of them inside of us, but there's usually one or two that we are primarily using in order to get that level of significance that we're all as human beings are craving for. Um, So what happens? You know, we're born into this family that we were born in um, and we grew up with our caretakers, right? And so early on, we realized that, hmm, I have to, you know, who I am is not enough, it seems, Um because we get, you know, um, maybe yelled at, we get punished for certain things that our caretakers don't like. And so our mind develops like this, this notion that, you know, we have to find some kind of strategy that makes us uh, stick out, that makes us significant so that we get the love and attention that is necessary for its illusional survival. Um, and so, like I said, there are four main, main identities that I want to talk to you about today. So let's start with them. Um, one, the the first one that I want to talk about is called, let's say the sick one or the victim. Those are people who have learned early on that they get attention and love for specific or being in specific, let's say, health conditions, if that makes sense. So one example, a good example would be kids with eczema, for example. Those kids realize that um, when they have the certain condition with their skin, then mommy or daddy would take the time to really sit down with them and put on lotion um, on their skin. And that moment to them would feel like so special, so connected. So like, you know, they're making an effort to really sit down and be with me. And they love the physical touch that they're maybe not getting outside of that situation. So this special attention to this to this um, skin condition then teaches the mind that, hey, Whenever I have that, you know, 
mommy or daddy, they're spending extra time with me. And I love that, obviously. So, hmm, maybe that's a good, you know, maybe we should keep that. That's kind of like how I imagine uh, our mind like operating. Like, hey, maybe we should keep that, you know. Maybe we can make that more so they spend more time with us. Or um, if that's not working anymore, we develop another condition, right? So I'm not saying that all of our health problems are stemming from that. Don't take me wrong. But there are certain ways that our mind is able to con- like create specific situations or conditions within our body that are going to get us a certain amount of attention. Um, and from another perspective, like the victim perspective, it's, you know, for example, when we learn that we get that attention when we show up kind of as, as helpless or, well, the victim, you know, something is happening to us. Other people are maybe, uh, unfair to us. Um, and that's the role that we then pick up. Um, and I want to highlight that obviously all of those identities have, you know, their positive side and their downfalls. Um, everything comes, you know, with this positive feeling of like, I matter, I'm significant in a certain way. Um, but it all comes down to, uh, um, but it all also comes, comes with this, um, package of tremendous fears that it generates within us um, and learned behaviors that are not going to be beneficial to us uh, as adults. For example, if you if you've taken on that role of a victim quite a lot, you know you're going to have a very difficult time being self-sufficient um, and independent to take care of yourself and really trust in yourself and that you're able to do stuff um, and really take ownership and responsibility for, for, your, for, your, for your results in life because you're so used to other people taking care of you that you've never really had the chance to learn how to do it on your own. So the second one, and I think this is going to be um, a major uh, role for you guys out there. It certainly has been a major fuck up for me, um, but it's the role of being the hero or the achiever. So usually those are those roles are taken by the the older siblings or the firstborns. Um, I'm not the firstborn, but I will still ended up as this. And you have to understand that. Um, if you grow up with, for example, parents who are the ultimate achievers, right? They're the, the career, um, how do you say, like, they, they are the ballers, <laughs> like they're the ones who are super successful, etc. Um, when you come into that constellation, it's very difficult for you to take on the same role as your parents are already have already taken or your siblings. So usually we will find um, a different identity um, to take on in that family dynamic or we look for maybe different nuances. So for example, so the hero or achiever are usually the the people who um, were raised to take 
early on responsibility for maybe their family, for their siblings. The, those are the the kids who um, are are taught early on that they need to like excel, excel in school, that they have to have the best grades, that they have to, you know, work hard, um, maybe know a lot um, to stand out and get their parents like approval and appraisal. So the way we do that in achiever mode is it's not only through results, but it's like I said, it's you're looking for some kind of way to really um, stand out, whether that is through, you know, you're the person who knows everything. So maybe you're accumulating a lot of knowledge. Maybe you're the, the tech geek, you know, you know a lot about technology. The outlets can be very different for different people. Maybe you, you, you know, um, you stand out through accumulating or having like five different degrees. Um, maybe you stand out by, you know, living a certain, or, um, having a certain income, having a certain status. So, um, whatever your choice or your mind's basically choice of, um, strategy was, that's what's keeping you pushing. And if you fear, for example, failing, making a mistake, you're definitely been conditioned to be an achiever because this is the ultimate like enemy of, of an achiever. Um, the fear or the idea that you could do something wrong or fail at something simply because if you're going to fail, that failure in your mind is going to basically crash the entire foundation for your worth and for your significance. And that's where many people, you know, get into even a life crisis when you have identified so much with maybe um, your titles, your career, um, your results, your status, your income, whatever. Um, and when, when you, for example, retire, when you uh, become a mom and you step away from your career, um, when maybe you get fired from a job, um, whatever the cir- circumstances are, but when you feel like, you know, you feel completely lost, you don't know who you are anymore, it's because of this identity um, conditioning. Um, we, we've taken that information about this is when I get attention or love or connection and we've mistaken it for who we are. And the other day I was listening to, um, or I was watching a, a video from Sadhguru. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but anyways, um, he was saying that, you know, that accumulated information, it can be yours because you have accumulated it about yourself. Like, you know, who you are, who you think you are, better said, uh, when it comes to like race, nationality, your degree, your job, your um, gender identification, your titles, your income, all of those what's. Um, you've accumulated that and it is like we're, we regularly use that to describe who we are without realizing that this is 
actually, this has nothing to do with who we are. This is not us. All of that experience, all of that information is yours. It's in your possession, let's say, but it is not equal to who you are. But anyways, <laughs> so this is the achiever. Um, and this is why, for example, myself, I have struggled a lot in business um, and, and, and ever since I, I went on this journey, I have struggled continuously with making things work for me because I was so afraid to do something wrong or when I, when I got like results that I was not really satisfied with, you know, it, it took me into this loop of like, well, why should I, why should I even try again? Because the more I try, the more I fail, so to say, the more this identity and the more my foundation for worth and significance is being crashed, right? Without being aware of all of this happening <laughs> subconsciously. So if you are experiencing, um, you know, a lot of pressure, you're very demanding with yourself, you're hyper like critical with yourself, that's been all me. Um, so I know how that feels. Um, it's because we're so attached to being this person. And we have a hard time. Well, first of all, we have a hard time seeing that we're just uh, operating in a certain identity. But then second of all, it's so, so challenging and difficult to detach from that identity. And to, you know, learn that... It is okay if you are not the best at everything, if you're not winning every fucking competition, if you are not that, you know, um, executive manager, consultant, whatever title, that it's okay for you to make mistakes and grow and that you're actually the only person who gets to decide on whether that actually means something or not, or whether that makes you, you know, that makes you, actually, I don't even want to say that, but we think that whatever is happening, it makes us a better or a worse person, even though we as a person, we stay the same. Um, so just, you know, let that sink in and think, you know, have I, have I been playing out in those kind of patterns? Have I taken on this identity? What has it given me? What kind of reactions did I receive? Were they positive? Were they negative? Were, was I punished for it? For example, victim mentality is not something that was appreciated um, in, in, in my, you know, in my family. Um, so for me, it's like I, can, like, I can never be a victim. However, we don't realize that we're, we're playing out all of them. All, like, like I said, to different degrees. Um, and when we actually negate ourselves that we cannot be that sick person, we cannot be that victim, we cannot be that super achiever because maybe that would make us like super uh, vain or arrogant or, you know, just like, um, a, a person that is not really appreciated in certain cultures. It's very possible. Um, we take ourselves the chance from actually, you know, for example, in 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 the in the victim mode, we stop ourselves from actually help um, asking for help, 
So sometimes, you know, we go through difficult stuff and we need to know that it is okay to uh, ask for help, that we don't have to be the person who figures it all out by her or himself. So then the third person, it's the pleaser, pleasing personality, the good girl. (laughs) How I love that term, the good girl or the good guy. Basically, I would say that all women, (laughs) all women are fucked with this good girl personality, with this pleasing personality of like, you could also say the caretaker, but I find that being the caretaker sounds quite nice. (laughs) Doesn't fully represent the the mindfuck that is happening. But having this pleasing personality is like, you know, we learn that we have to take, pay more attention to other people's needs than we do, than we pay to our own needs. You're literally taking care of others while totally neglecting yourself. When, for example, mommy's or daddy's happiness and, you know, is more important than what we want as kids. This is where all this mess with, you know, good kids are being seen, not heard comes in. Like when you learn to really basically turn down your emotional, physical, and um, yeah, overall human needs so that other people can feel comfortable or good. And while we learn through that, through that identity that, you know, pay, pay attention to, to the moods, to the emotional states of other people. And we learn maybe a good sense of connection (laughs) or how to connect with other people. We, on the contrary, also learn how to completely abandon ourselves, how to sacrifice ourselves for the need of others. And that's why I'm saying like, we're always taught like, you know, to as girls, especially like, you know, don't be, don't be uh, rude. Don't be angry. Dress nicely. Um, you know, just always like turn yourself down. Keep yourself small. Uh, keep your light dimmed. And unless, you know, we work on that part of like, hey, I have my own needs too. And I have to take care of myself so that I can be, for example, a good mom. I can't just constantly sacrifice myself. I can't constantly sacrifice my time or my well-being and just function and operate for other people. Because otherwise, I will I will literally like burn out. Like on a soul level, on an emotional level, on a mental level, on an energetic, on an energetic level. And this will not serve anybody, right? We want care that really comes from a place like from the heart from from sincere from the sincere desire to to help and to care for others but not from the fear of um being a disappointment or being a bad person or um the fear of of you know just being rejected this is what happens um when we take on that kind of identity and the fourth one is the one of, let's say, the black sheep or um, the scapegoats or the rebel. Um, this is the identity that we take on when, you know, it's kind of like, you don't appreciate me, so I'll just go the complete other way. 
Um, for example, if your results are not, have never been good enough for, let's say, your your family or your parents, and you didn't get the um, appraisal or the attention that you wanted for it, maybe you've decided at some point, like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to do like the complete opposite. Maybe I'm going to become like that lazy person in my family who doesn't do anything. And um, that becomes your way of rebelling. And here's the kicker. Like for our mind, it doesn't, at some point, it doesn't matter whether the attention that you're getting is positive or negative. As long as you're getting attention, it's like good enough. And so when we are being rebellious, usually we get like the negative attention and it's sad but that's the truth it's like we we start settling for that kind of attention you know um you can also see it in kids like when kids are for example kind of what it seems purposely for example destroying stuff or being like rude to other people they're doing that because this is what is giving them attention. If they were being rewarded with love and, um, let's say, attention and uh, feeling significant for the other things that they're doing, like the good things, they would change their behavior, but they're not. Um, and so that's why I said at the beginning, just having this knowledge that we are operating in different identities and that the different people within our family take on different roles is very helpful, a very first helpful step in um, understanding our behaviors, our fears, our motivation. For example, somebody who's constantly striving for, I don't know, lots of, let's say lots of money. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money, but... Um, or just striving to, to always win, to be on top of everybody else. It's because of that. And because they don't have the awareness yet that they're doing it for the wrong reason. (laughs) And they're pursuing something that will always leave them feeling not good enough. Because with all of those, you know, with all of those four roles there will never come a point where you feel good enough like how sick can you be how much more victimizing can you be like there's always the next level when you're an achiever right like how much more can you know how much how many more titles can you know when is it ever going to be enough it won't because there will always be like a next level you will always find somebody who's better or worse off than you um When you're a pleaser, you know, how much more can you sacrifice yourself? Well, (laughs) you know, there's still way to go. You can still get sick even if you're burned out. You know, there's still like potential. There's still room for for more sacrifice, for more caring, for doing more for other people. Um, When you're rebelling, it's the same thing. Like how, what else can you do to get like even more in that sense, negative attention. There is no limit. And this is what is, you know, if you don't become aware of, of, of this conditioning and of this 
of our way of functioning this way, you will never be able to step out of it. You will just continue like um, grinding and hustling and, and you know, um, working your own mind, body and soul to the ground because your mind believes that there will come a point where you will be enough. And that point of feeling enough is never going to come unless you develop that awareness that actually whatever you're doing, whatever skills you have, whatever materialistic stuff you you accumulate for yourself, it is never going to give you that sense of love and worth and enoughness that you're searching for. You just continue to, you know, change the vehicle. Like I was, you know, unconsciously, I was I was picking to go into business without realizing that I have been functioning this way. And what happened? So I just continued to put pressure on myself. I was very, you know, hard on myself for not achieving certain things. Like I'm constantly getting, I was constantly getting hung up on comparisonitis because I was look, I was seeing that other people were succeeding and I just wasn't, even though like I was putting in so much work. Um, and so if you, if you don't develop that awareness, you will not be able to cut the ties with this attachment that we're carrying. And you will not be able to just step away and give yourself permission to, for example, just fuck up big time, to make big mistakes, to take risks, to, for example, like I did, take one year off without having to produce anything, <laughs> like, except for being, except for being you, or experiencing life. If you haven't heard that episode, you know, go back to episode 25 and, and listen how, how and why I took one year off from being an achiever. This one year off, I mean, I had so many moments where I was like, mm, I think I should get back. I think I should start posting again. I think I should, I should, I should, I should. But I stayed, I stayed firm. And if it hadn't been for this year, I think... I wouldn't have been able to really let go of that of that identity. And the longer we will stay in that mode, you know, like I said, you are you are the the core or the center of every experience that you're having. It's not other people, it's not your environment, it's not your job that is provoking that let's say stress um that level of exhaustion, that struggle that you're facing. It's within you. And so if you don't start generating certain awareness, and I'll just get back, I'll, I'll come back to this, like what is it that we can do in just a bit. But if you don't step away from this, you will just carry the same story, you know, wherever you go, whatever you do. If, you know, some of you are listening and, you know, you're fantasizing about starting something of your own. Um, I'm just letting you know that that business journey won't be an easy one because um, going into business will challenge all of those beliefs and all of those identities that we have. Um, for me personally, for example, I was mainly that pleasing and achieving personality. 
Um, I was so worried about what others will think of me. I was so worried that um, I'm going to be perceived as a bad person, that um, whatever I do is not going to be good enough, etc., etc. And it has taken me a lot of time to work through all of this. Because the thing is, it's not like a one-time work that you're doing. That belief of I'm not good enough, it's going to like, however often you up-level in your life, you know, you, you, you get into that next stage of your life, it's going to come back and it's going to be, um, let's say, dressed in a different outfit. <laughs> um, but the core limiting beliefs that we carry with us um, are always going to be there. The, the faster that you start doing this work on yourself and the more, you know, committed you stay with it, um, the more awareness you, you raise, the easier it will be f- for you to handle those kind of situations. The less time you will spend in those moments of like, oh my God, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Nobody will want to buy from me. Nobody will want to hire me. Nobody will want to be with me, etc., etc., etc. Um, you will be able to get out of those situations much faster, much quicker, and without maybe so much external help. Um, and if not, you know, you will just continue in that story and whatever you do subconsciously, you're just going to uh, wait for the punishment to come around the corner for you not living up to that identity. Um, And that's basically, you know, that subconsciously anticipated punishment for stepping out of of that identity is what's causing us the stress because our soul wants one thing and our identity is, you know, ruling us, controlling us to do something completely else. So how do we deal with this, (laughs) right? So... The first step is always to just, you know, understand. That's my approach. You need to understand that this is what is happening. And we could go much more in detail or much, much deeper in this topic. But I hope that you, you know, at least got a good understanding of the identities and that it is basically the thing that is controlling each of your behavior, thoughts, um, and emotions, and your main fears. And that it's just a fiction. It's it's literally like, you know, your mind has, has written out this kind of maybe drama or thriller or whatever. And it has assigned you this role. You know, it's like you're... It's like you're being Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> in the Game of Thrones. This is your role and you stick to it and you just keep reenacting and reinforcing um, this personality because this is your role in this whole play. But you, at a conscious level, you can get to the, to the realization that, hold on a minute, you know, um, you can choose to step into that play and you can play out that role if you want to, um, but you are not living in Game of Thrones all the time, right? Your life is not Game of Thrones. Your life is not being Daenerys Targaryen. You are being you and you are free to pick another play 
you know, another movie, another um, story, one that actually you can, <laughs> you write for yourself would be the most helpful one. So just understanding that you're reenacting something that you've learned and understanding that you can unlearn this. And it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, coming back to yourself is uncomfortable. But it is going to be so worth every uncomfort or discomfort that you've experienced. Really. Um, so first, we need to understand what's happening. And we need to wrap our, wrap our minds around the idea that um, you're being controlled by your mind right? So how do we, how do we overcome this? The first step is literally to like create that space, create the space between you and the mind. Because the more you stay, this is what I've experienced, the more you stay in this bubble of I know, oh yeah, I know that this is what's happening for me. Oh yeah, I know that this or that or whatever. The more you experience that I know, the more you're attaching to to your um, mental like identity, picture, whatever, <laughs> to that role, to whatever your mind has created. And you're not even giving yourself permission to even consciously consider some alternative alternative reality, really. So first we need to create space between... Uh, this mind idea and and who we are and how do we do that we start becoming an observer you start observing yourself as if you were like some detective some third person like when you have specific situations where for example you get angry where you're especially fearful where um you know some let's say I mean, you don't have to pick situation where you have like an intense emotional uh, state. You can also do it with just, you know, while you're walking on the street. But just become an observer of like your ideas, of your thoughts, of the emotions that are happening. And become curious about why am I thinking this? Why am I so afraid of this? Why am I showing up like that? Why do I care so much about maybe my income? Why do I care so much about the title? Why do I care about care so much about uh, maybe the people that I hang out with etc etc when you start becoming an observer that's when you can actually like see and identify you know what is actually going on if you can't shed light you know you don't know what you're working with and so how are you going to tame something um, or change something that you don't even know you know, is, is happening there or what is, what is going on there. It's, it's impossible. So start becoming an observer. Then the second thing that I, I told you is like switch from I know to I don't know. What if I don't know? What if I didn't know that my parents, my parents cared about my career? What if I didn't know that? How would I show up? What would I do differently? What if I didn't care what my peers think of me? Uh, what if I didn't know that knowledge brings me so much, so much attention? Who would you be, right? What if, what if that just wasn't true? What if it wasn't true that I'm, I am, um, 
solely getting attention when I am, you know, being the victim or when I just have drama play out in my life. And what if, what if that wasn't me? What if I wasn't that pleaser? What if I wasn't the good girl? Who would I like to be actually? Um, what would be available to me? And, um, lastly, I would just really, I mean, there's more work that can be done, but it's just, (laughs) it's just, um, going way out of what this, what this episode could, um, you know, hold. Um, that's where you get like a coach or you join a program or something like that. But the last thing is like, I would really urge you to be more careful with I am statements because all those statements are really what are shaping your identity. Even though we talked about, you know, the roles, the primary roles that we're taking on, there are so many more things that we allow to shape this illusionary uh, picture of who we are. Um, Like I said, our nationality, our belonging to a certain group, uh, certain experiences. And wherever you say like, I am, to your mind, this is like the truth. It is not debating whatever you're saying. If you say I'm ugly, your mind will, well, it will make you show, it, it will show you the reality with this filter and it will, you know, confirm that idea wherever it is possible. If you believe that I am powerful, well, it will also show you, you know, that reality. Um, if you believe that I am not enough, that's where, you know, that's what you will experience. I mean, this is the whole reason why, you know, for example, people who are famous and that we think they've made it, you know, they have it all. They have a family, they have so much money, they have all the fame, they can do whatever they want in their life. They have no real restrictions. It's because of what I mentioned earlier. Just because you accumulate more stuff, just because you accumulate more tiles, just because you accumulate more information, it doesn't mean that that sense of not enoughness is going to go away. It only stops when you start actually, because what you're experiencing, you know, when we stay in those identities, you always make it dependent on some kind of external force to determine your worth. And until you decide that I'm not going to give that power away to other people and I'm going to be the only, let's say, judge who will define whether I am worthy or not. And when you decide to be really that source of love for yourself, when you know things will not change and this is why those people you know there have been so many cases where they've just committed suicide because even though on the outside level it seemed like they have it all on the inside they didn't have it they didn't have anything and so that change really change always needs to happen from within it's what you project from within to the outside world it's not what the outside world is going to give you it's not how it works. And, you know, with this under with this understanding, when you look at your family, just, you know, analyze a little bit. Like, 
who has your mom been? Who has your dad been? Um, who have your siblings been? And what roles did they primarily play out? Like I said, we don't just choose one. We are all of them, but like to very different degrees. So I hope that this has been helpful to you. Maybe you, I hope that you've gained a new level of understanding to who you are. Um, Because at the end of the day, you are a unique creation of life. This is what you are. Your um, energy and um, your life. But you're none of those things that we as humans, <laughs> that our intellect has put on you. None of those labels, you know, um, make up who you are. Because here, here's, maybe that's what I, I'm going to leave you with. If I were to take everything, everything away from you, literally all your money, all your belongings, all the people in your life, your clothes, whatever, your nationality. If you were to wake up tomorrow in a world where there's nobody there, nobody and nothing there, who would I find? And this is who you truly are. And with that, I'm going to leave you, my beautiful friends. And um, I hope that you take this opportunity to like contemplate a little bit on this. So I hope this was helpful and um, I hope to see you next week. See you then. Bye. You liked what you heard on this episode, but would like to get more support. Just follow me on social media at the Olga Mueller on Instagram. Send me an email on algamuller.coaching at gmail.com or join the wonderful tribe of incredible ambitious women on Facebook and the women with unshakable confidence group. See you next time.